0: Hello, and welcome once again to episode 29 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri, and I'll be your host once again for this episode, and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. And Ben. Hey, hey. So before we get into our main topic, it's time for our Indie App Spotlight. So first up is Long Play by Adrian Schoenig. Uh, which is a wonderful iOS app for rediscovering your album collection. Longplay focuses on showing off your album art, whether in-app or in its widgets, and helps you rediscover the forgotten gems hiding in your library. Beloved by music lovers everywhere, Longplay tailors everything around your albums, whether you imported them from CDs, yourself, or subscribed to Apple Music. Um, as long as you can access your music in the Music app, you can access it in Longplay. Longplay is only 3 dollars as an upfront purchase, so be sure to support Adrian by downloading a copy today. Next, we have Money Flow by Daniel Romero, an iOS app centered around your spending habits and tracking them over time. Many things uh, can be automated, but I very much like the idea of manually keeping your track of your expenses because it helps you identify when something is off as soon as balances don't match up. So Money Flow makes this easy by being a low-friction and well-designed app that integrates directly into your daily routine and helps keep yourself accountable. Uh, Moneyflow is only $2.99 as an upfront purchase, so please be sure to give it a try and support Daniel. Finally, we have Proxyman by Nia Tran, a macOS, iOS, and Android app that provides you with a web proxy backed by powerful debugging features, enabling you to capture, inspect, and manipulate both HTTP and HTTPS traffic. ProxyMan provides you with full controls to filter URLs, customize your workspace, and even set breakpoints and run scripts when certain requests are called. If you do any sort of web development or interact with a server over a REST, ProxyMan is a must-have. Um, ProxyMan is licensed on macOS and a subscription on iOS, so please uh, check out their site at proxyman.io to support Nia and for more details. So all three of these apps, uh, we have links in our show notes and uh, in the description on the YouTube video. Uh, so please be sure to give them a try. Uh, if you are an indie developer, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us on Twitter at CodeCompletion via DM so we can spotlight your app too. So uh, onto our main uh, topic. Uh, there's a whole lot of things happening in the news uh, with regard to Basecamp. So we figured we might uh, go through exactly what happened. so that way. Uh, we can all learn and do better ourselves right
1: yeah i I don't think it would be that difficult to do better than what they've done yeah for real (laughs) It's, it's a pretty low bar so to kind of just really give a quick recap and there's a lot more here um admittedly i haven't even actually read sort of the canonical guide to what what all happened which is an article from the verge but just sort of seeing it play out on Twitter, um, I have more or less the gist of what happened. And basically, it kind of boils down to there was um, some discussion among the Basecamp employees that they wanted to engage in uh, you know, trying to understand how to support their uh, their disadvantaged or diverse sort of population of people who might not be white men that work at Basecamp. Um, and they formed a DEI uh, group, a diversity group. Equity and Inclusion, I think is what that stands for, um, group to sort of try and understand those issues and and bring them to the forefront and and help everyone grow uh, professionally within the organization. Um, And the the long and short of it is that basically that that group was shut down shortly after it was formed. And then Basecamp, for some reason, decided to take something that was going to be a change to company policy and publish it on their blog, which I... Already don't understand why they would do that. Uh, this is essentially information that really is only relevant to their employees, and yet they're putting it on their blog. I suspect because Basecamp, the people of Basecamp, the principal you know owners of Basecamp, sort of consider themselves to be thought leaders in in the space of running a company and and company culture and all that stuff. They've li- literally written books about these ideas so i'm assuming it's because they thought that they were doing something innovative and that they wanted to share that innovative company policy with the world right uh the downside of course of doing that is if you aren't doing a good job of that then you just have kind of embarrassed yourself in front of the world and certainly it's the case that it seems to most people that uh what they did was embarrassing which is to say that that uh politics and other non-work-related topics are just things that they don't want their employees spending any time on during work hours discussing with each other. Uh, And they thought that they could create a policy where these things aren't going to be discussed, and then they'll all be more productive, I guess. If, If they're not busy talking about politics, then they're just doing more work it's really unclear what they mm-hmm. were trying to accomplish because in my opinion you can't control human behavior at a fundamental level right people are gonna do what they're gonna do and uh, and you and not only can you not control it but you probably shouldn't it's probably not your place to do that as the owner of a company all you really can ask is just that your people do good work and that they and that they try and stay focused on getting their work done but kind of outside of that, it's not really your place to tell people what to think or how to act or what to say. You know, obviously there's sort of bounds there like you don't want people to be outwardly, you know, mean or 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 nasty or or uh, you know, even to the point of of like being discriminatory or something, right where they're just sort of treating people terribly, that would be not good, but but outside those bounds, people are going to do what they're going to do. So it just seemed odd that they would even attempt this. Um, but the bottom line is they they did attempt this, and then within I think I don't know the timeline, but I believe they announced this new policy like on a Monday, something something along those lines. And by Friday of that week, uh, from what we can tell, about thirty percent of the company the company's employees have resigned over this this problem that they were having with management, um, like. On the spot they they offered these people i guess severance packages anybody didn 't want to stick around, and about thirty percent of them at least took that severance and i th- it sounds like the severance and the sort of separation was immediate they weren't like, "Oh, you know two weeks' notice or anything." It was just like you're working there one day, and essentially the next day you're not working there and you 've taken the severance package so they they lost from what we can tell their entire iOS engineering team, uh, their chief of design, and a whole bunch of other people some of which had been there for over a decade um, they they had this you know humongous brain drain of of people including core rails team members who not only resigned from basecamp but also said they were no longer going to be part of the core rails maintaining uh, open, source, open source maintaining yeah uh, the open source project so not only did basecamp as a company lose out but even sort of the community of people who use rails lost out on uh, on some expertise of people that have been around for a very long time, and in some cases, they've been, you know, we're, we're there from the beginning when DHH sort of first created Rails. They were they were there, and they were they were integral to to making it the success that it was. They 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 sort of, you know, tapped out of all of those things. Um, so, if nothing else, it's a it's a good lesson in, uh, you know, don't give people an ultimatum unless you are prepared for them to take Take it it. right to to take the offer um and then maybe don't try and dictate human behavior like maybe just maybe know where you where you sit in the hierarchy of of the control you wield over the people that you employ and and be reasonable (laughs) because when you're not this is what happens Yeah, definitely. There's one thing that I I heard
2: and correct me if I'm wrong, because I really like basically on purpose, mostly because of DHH have steered clear from base camp and, you know, everything that even went on when there was that whole hay thing last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I remember right, part of it was that years ago, employees would keep a list of people that had like to them funny sounding names. Right. Yes. Uh, in, in Basecamp, I believe <laughs> in Basecamp, right in their own software. And so it seems so much like a double standard where when the company was smaller, I'm sure that, uh, people at a high level, I, I don't know about DHH. I don't really know him, but maybe was in on that. Right. And, and right. a part of that ridicule. So then them coming out and making, publishing this blog post that essentially, uh you know, it doesn't there is they're not condoning such behavior of, you know, discrimination and everything. It mm-hmm. it seems like such a double standard to me where uh Yeah. You know, it's like that's so much hypocrisy going on in, in just yes. one one single part of of this whole, you know, tornado right. of a mess of a dumpster fire that they're
0: in. Um, and not it's to just mention like, not oh, to mention many employees did not even hear about the change in policy until that blog post came out like that right. was news oh, yeah. to the people working there just as it was news to everyone else um right. and i feel like they they may have sniffed out that this would be controversial and they could get ahead of it by making it public and that may have been yeah. their game plan in making it public instead of private and then it sneaking its way out and just as like a whole bunch of things with away and slack. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've heard those stories before. Um, so I think that that may have been their game plan, but it was clearly very poorly th- thought out because if it was going to be controversial, like they didn't, they didn't really nail down why it was controversial and what the problems were. Because basically if you silence what people like say at work, that works really well when you're at the top of society. It doesn't work so well when you're not. Um, and I'm not right. saying, like, white men deserve to be at the top of society, but we are, and f- we need to be conscious of that um, to to be better people. Um, and we can't ignore that fact. And it seems very much that they were trying to ignore that fact.
1: Yeah, and I mean, well, yeah. And for one, don't you... Don't let your PR plan supersede the needs that your employees have, right? Like, don't yeah. think, oh, this is going to be controversial, so we better we better release a blog post publicly so that we can get ahead of it. It's like, yeah, but then you're sacrificing the the sort of integrity that you have with your own employees to give them the benefit of the doubt and let them know about things first, right, like of anything else you should be telling your you should be communicating to your own employees first they they need to know this information way before anybody else does even if that means that your pr plan kind of suffers because you have to you have to you know release this information in stages first internally and then whatever like, it doesn't matter like the right thing to do is to tell your employees what's going on first i i i heard that like on this was it this past Friday? Was it, was it just a couple days ago? I'm, I'm now, yeah, yeah I think it was last <laughs> week. Okay. So I, I remember seeing on Twitter that they had a, an all hands meeting on Friday and this is where that, that sort of ultimatum severance thing was offered. Um, and that from what it said that they, the meeting was not, uh, amicable. It was a pretty contentious meeting between management and the S and the sort of rank and file staff. And again, it's like you, even when you have to deliver bad news to your employees, you need to do it with, you know, with compassion and and, and with, uh, you know, thinking of them first, right? They are the people that are making your business happen. Yeah. And quite frankly, if you're the owner, like DHH and Jason Fried are, the people, for, again, I don't know much about the company, but from what I do understand, it sounds like they've managed to, to hold a decent portion of the ownership of the company, which therefore means that, you know, the company has made them rich, uh, which is fine. I have no problem with that at all uh but like especially if you're in a scenario where like these people are the ones making you rich right like maybe you owe them i don't know at least the decency to sort of be compassionate and to and to explain things to them in private before you explain them in public um so that they can they can get ahead of it right they can understand it and they can digest it and they can come to terms with it before potentially like you know, reporters are reaching out to them and asking <laughs> right. them for their opinion. Like that, like mm-hmm. it just it's just so in and, and every place where I've worked, where they need to mostly at startups where like, you know, that kind of thing can happen. I mean, I, I, normally I work at places that are boring, at least like to the, you know, to the press. And so I've never had really don't typically have this problem. But I have worked at a couple of startups, um, you know, Lambda School being one of them. And they don't always get super positive press. And the communications team at Lambda School gave us sort of basic training on, like, you know, if you are – if someone reaches out to you and they're a member of the press and they want your interview, please tell us about it. Like, don't – you know, and then (laughs) if you're confused or worried or scared or whatever about what you're going to say, come to us and we'll help you to sort of build a PR plan so that you don't just, like, speak out of, you know, like – just put things into the air and then be like embarrassed or worried or whatever, right? Like let's, let's build a plan together so that we can, we can all sort of speak with one voice, right? Like the company can all sound like we're all on the same page. And like, that's what a company does when they care about this stuff, right? When they care about the, the way that the companies perceive publicly. And, and most importantly, I feel like like in Lambda's case, they were doing that, you know, in part to cover their own butts, right? They were, they don't want people speaking out of turn, but also I do really feel, I got the vibe that they definitely really also didn't want to have us as employees be in like this weird position where we have to speak for the company and we feel really unprepared to do so, right? And like this, and and this is the same problem here. It's like you owe, if nothing else, you owe the employees the sort of dignity of explaining it to them privately helping them to understand answering their questions and working through it together as a group before it becomes public information uh you know and whether the decision that you make is controversial or not sometimes you have to make choices that are difficult uh but like you owe it to them at, at a minimum to sort of you know and it seems like they did this like the opposite. Like they, t- All oh, that I yeah. just said, all the advice I just gave, they did exactly the opposite, which is like, post it publicly first, literally let our employees find out about it on our blog, which is just so yeah. crappy. It's just such a terrible way to do things. And then and then when they get all angry about it, we have like a very contentious ultimatum meeting on Friday where we basically say, if you don't like it, get out. Yeah. We'll, we'll give th- you severance.
0: And I think it was made worse by the doubling down that d h did multiple times, like between that that public announcement and the ultimatum meeting, that really made people sour because he basically said, as a very public speaking person about politics that oh it 's okay if you do it on your personal uh blog, uh, but we don 't want it happening inside the company 's communication channels sure. um and that really pushes how much privilege that he has as someone with an audience that he can say whatever he wants, uh, but others that... On the company's blog as well. Yeah, on the company's... <laughs> yeah. Like, it's his personal blog because he owns the company. <laughs> Um make like, right.
1: well, no, no mistake, even on Twitter, he's speaking I mean, unless sure. you are totally unaware, even when he speaks as DHH on Twitter, he's still basically speaking for Basecamp. Like yeah. he's the yeah. owner of the company. He it's like you can't it's like the you know, once you're president, you kind of can't not You're the face like, of whatever yeah like the thing that the things that you say even when they're said sort of out of context and ingest or like at you know ad hoc and like you don't really mean it to be an official communication you're still speaking as that person right so the idea that like he's just chatting about stuff on twitter personally and that's not this that's not that's different than like you talking to a colleague about it over slack is ridiculous like that it's he's speaking for the company just as much as you would be speaking for the speaking, you know, within the context of the company privately inside of Slack is, you know, like it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah. And And,
2: what it all sort of reeks to me is like seeing, seeing your employees as employees rather than like humans first, right. Where it's like, (laughs) oh, okay. Everyone that I'm potentially letting go here has a family. They're going to have to find another job. They're going to have to figure out, you know, where do I, where do I get my next job or whatever it is. It's, there was it feels like there was no sympathy rather other than like maybe the base amount of like PR ness that they had to do and then there was just like only, yeah and we, it's
1: always the people like that <laughs> it's always the you know like some super crazy religious homophobic congressman gets caught in a you know bathroom somewhere doing something <laughs> sure. like homoerotic right it's like always the people that are just like the most staunchly in one camp then get found out to be sort of like hypocritically doing the opposite. And, and like these people have, you know, Jason Fried and DHH have authored multiple books about how to run a company and how to treat your employees well. And like they famously paid, you know, San Francisco wages, no matter where you were, they were remote first, yada, yada, yada. And like at this, and then at the end of the day, they basically, you know, again, we don't know the full context because we're not employees of Basecamp. And we don't want to say that we know everything about this we certainly don't but at least just from the stuff that has been made public it seems pretty obvious they treated their employees like crap at the at the end of the day right like oh yeah you know like the chips are down it's time to make a real decision they treated them
0: like crap and and or they were protecting the wrong employees or the whole the whole thing started with employees that found it funny that their customers like had had a certain name Uh, And like, there's nothing funny about that. And the fact that that continued up until today, that's the most worrisome (laughs) thing. Like it was, it has never truly gone punished. Right. You don't have to punish people by firing them and taking away their livelihood. You have to, however, punish them to prevent them from continuing the bad behavior. Um, And I think that's, that's the mark that so many people it's been made clear to which is why they just left. They had integrity. Right. Um yep. and there were two camps. One which like did not want to deal with this and one that was happy to to deal with it. Um and the one that didn't want to deal with it, they they left. Um now I feel extra and, bad. And to for be clear, them. there are probably
1: some employees that couldn't maybe afford to leave. Yeah. So no we, we shouldn't and, and say that one that fort. stayed is
0: mm-hmm. right. Yeah, so I was just about to say, it's not just those that couldn't afford to leave. There are people that, if you're on a visa, for instance, you can't leave. Yeah. You yeah, right. are beholden to that company to stay in this country. Um, and last I checked, it's not the greatest time to go traveling uh, back and forth. <laughs> and depending on where your family is, that might be the a deadly mistake that yeah. you can't you can't do anything about. And guess what? You have to be quiet. You can't get fired. You have to fall yeah, in right. line... Uh, rank and file to to blend in as best as you can um and up until now they they had to be quiet and now there's people that are leaving, so they're even fewer um which is right. probably the worst case for those individuals yeah
1: i mean well it's a cascading problem right because the people that can leave do and then mm-hmm. Uh, and the people that are left behind just have to do more work, and that puts more stress on them and then that means that there will be a second round of people leaving base camp because maybe they don 't take this this initial package that 's offered but they they have to leave eventually because they 're like look th- we unfortunately, I had to stay, and now it 's gotten so bad because of the yeah. the the drain that happened right like now the stress has sort of I'm like it's I'm it's cracked me to the point that like I can't I can't do it anymore like I have to I have to leave and so then those people leave the second wave of people leave and then now you have just a few people left and then maybe there's been some churn but that churn is people that are going to be brand new and aren't going to know yet what they're doing and so you know I've seen numbers like people are estimating that you know it could be 60 70 percent of of people at at Basecamp could churn, have, or will churn over the next you know year or two, and then the problem is like most of the knowledge that you had as a company is gone. It's gone. Like, and yeah, I don't just mean like I know how to code an iOS app, but like I know how the iOS apps that Basecamp makes work. Yeah. Like Knowing that knowledge the code is base. also gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that and you can't
0: get. There's no way to get that back instantly. Like that only comes. No, back it's a over, lifetime of career know. that has just gone, and it's gone to another company. Like someone else is going right. to take advantage of that knowledge, um, and it's yeah. not going to be Basecamp ever again. And right. there's there isn't uh, anyone with tons of experience that is now going to see Basecamp as a potential place to work because they are going to have seen all of this, um, and right. unless they agree that. Uh, such practices are uh, the way to go they're not going to necessarily apply nor want to be recruited I mean I don't know about either view but oftentimes I get emails from Facebook that are reaching Mm -hmm. out to recruit me to work at Facebook and there is nothing Mm. they can do no monetary amount no uh, way of massaging my shoulders that would make me want to work at Facebook I am completely and utterly uninterested. I would prefer to become a farmer than work at Facebook. Um, Not to (laughs) say farming is a bad thing. It's just I would quit my career uh, and do something else that I completely enjoy than to do that. Um, And I feel like many people with a similar position, which is frankly one of privilege, they're not going to want to work there. So the only people that would fall for it are people with no experience or that are hungry to get some work um and they like again i feel bad that they're going to be exposed to that company culture because clearly nothing of it is changing right no No.
1: yeah i mean that like they basically that their 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 memo or whatever you want to call it basically is a, a description of that you know we like the way that we're operating, and we're not going to change it, even if a majority of people that work for us don't agree with the policies that we have. It's like too bad, right? We're in charge. Mm-hmm. We're we're not changing. Uh, and maybe they is... realized
0: that after everyone took the severance package, right? Um, they <laughs> yeah. they offered that ultimatum late. as a, like, if you don't like it, please leave. Um, they didn't. Right. I don't think they realized at all that such a significant portion of their workforce would leave
1: yeah which is which is i think especially funny considering that you know people like dhh pride themselves on knowing better than most right like to the point of arrogance uh what is good you know what is what are the best practices and like we're we're hopefully entering the the beginning of the end of the pandemic at least in the united states because you know lots of people have been vaccinated and we're we're hopefully headed towards a world where things are going to be kind of back to normal. And and we've had over a year of remote, remote work where people have really enjoyed that, um, you know, in large part. And we've also got, you know, generally speaking, a pretty good economy. And all those things, all of those metrics all mean that people who are talented and skilled are in a very good position to... To get a great job, and and it's very much right now a buyer's market in like in the at least in the tech world. I'm not going to speak for other industries, but in the tech world right now, it's actually it's like a pretty good time to get a job, and especially if you got good skills and you know. And companies are realizing that maybe forcing me to do a one and a half hour commute one way to work in some <laughs> stuffy office building or whatever is not going to be much of a draw. Like you know, maybe we need to do better than that. And so companies, the good ones, are realizing that and are offering it. And so like. You'd think that someone like DHH would realize if we do this, and if a decent number of our people leave, uh, or or that you know we say that you know you can leave if you want, like a decent number of them might do so because like it's kind of a good time to get a new job, yeah. depending on what you, on what skills you have, and like this could actually be like a big problem for us because because it's a favorable market for that to happen anyway we might even be experiencing a little bit of churn because of that and then we put in this like trigger right this this like this event that causes a mass exodus well then we're really screwed like you think that he would see that coming but i mean obviously he didn't uh and and they did or didn't care or they didn't care which is even worse um yeah because because at the end of the day they're kind of just screwing themselves it's a as far as I know, Basecamp is a privately held company and it is very centrally owned by a small group of people. So, if you do this, all you're really doing is hurting your own business and therefore hurting your literal pocketbook, like your the your your personal net worth is severely harmed by these actions. You'd think it's kind of like it, it, it if you think of it from that cold perspective, it's almost like how you know in the 2008 financial crisis basically collectively as a world right as certainly as an american economy and, and even as a world economy the people that were kind of watching all the levers and making sure people were doing what they're supposed to be doing after it collapsed one of the big takeaways was like we honestly felt like this wouldn't have happened because we assumed that the people that were doing all this crazy gambling with all this money wouldn't be so reckless because it literally will screw them over like it will it will it will ruin their own livelihoods and so we thought that was going to be enough of a of a of a mitigating factor to prevent these the, the one of the most egregious like behaviors from taking place because they would sort of have that self-preservation thing, right? And like, this is exactly the same thing. If you take all of the rest of it out and you just consider the cold, hard bottom line, you'd think that you wouldn't do this because it's just gonna ruin your own, like um, your own prosperity. Like even aside from all of the gross you know, like inhumane things that, that that went on here, like all the ways that you treated your fellow employees like crap, you think that even the money would like would be enough, but it but but I guess not. Like I guess they it was it was either a gross misunderstanding, like not misunderstanding, but like a, a gross miscalculation. underestimation, miscalculation, or it was a hubris filled "I don't care, get out," you know. You don't you don't deserve to be here anyway. Kind of feeling, which is also just terrible.
2: Yeah, and also I think possible for DHH like. I I wouldn't say, you know, that would be a normal thing for most people, but from him,
1: maybe, you know, like an ego (laughs) field type thing. I don't know. Yeah, I I I really don't uh, like him at all. Out of all the out of all the terribleness, I did see one joke on Twitter that I thought was pretty funny. So like he was famously very much against and I'm sure is still very much against Apple's 30 percent cut that they take in the App Store. And that was a lot of what happened with the whole hey thing and it's just kind of funny yeah. that like the you know they're not official but like the estimates people have said it's it sounds like about 30 ish percent of the employee quit on that day you know they took severance that somebody made a joke like well you know how much DHH doesn't like losing 30% of Which, anything it's a it's a it's a crass <laughs> joke because it's talking about people but it is kind of funny like it is it you know cuz he doesn't he he doesn't want to miss 30% of the app store revenue and i'm sure he's very much not happy that 30% of his of his company walked because of their sort of, you know, irresponsible behavior.
0: The deeper irony there, I think, is that he was arguing that Apple doesn't deserve the 30% because they didn't make hay uh, and they aren't providing right. anything that props hay up. They're just a storefront, basically. Um, right. And they could have marketed hay completely on their own. And that was their argument mm-hmm. that they made. Um, and mm-hmm. I believe just before all of this went down, they s- were offering their employees 10% of the company's profits. Like not each mm. employee gets 10%, but the employees as a whole, as a whole get to share mm-hmm. that 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the irony there is that the employees which built the product are yeah. only, only worth 10%, 10% of the profits <laughs> yeah. of the company. Um <laughs> yeah and that i believe was right before this um whole thing happened uh which is is not a good look to say the least no
1: yeah i mean it doesn't just do damage today right where they lose all these great people and all these all these technical resources and all this sort of collective knowledge but then like you said right like it's they they have a they have a black mark on them right like in the sense that they're not people are probably who have been following this are not going to be jumping at the chance necessarily to go work for them. Um, And so they're going to have a recruiting problem. They're going to have a public perception problem. People are probably going to potentially boycott some of their products over this. Like it's a lot of clients
0: have started doing that. They started accessing their products because it's why they don't want to be tied to it.
1: Yeah. Concerns for probably, you know, I mean, some of it will blow over because it's the new cycle, right, and the people forget, but but like, and people, some people don't care, but, uh, but I mean, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a, probably a small to moderate problem for their products, and I think it's gonna be a moderate to high level problem for their ability to replace those resources that they lost. Um, I mean, like I said, it seems like, I don't know if this is true because we don't have any confirmation, but it seems like most, if not all, of their iOS engineering team is gone. So, mm-hmm. hey, the the email app, hey, at least on iOS. And I don't I don't actually know if they have an iOS client for Basecamp or not. But if they do, all of that, you know, whatever they were going to do with those apps as far as an engineering roadmap is out the window.
0: Like Because if they don't have anybody to do it, that's a Nor anyone a to problem. teach it, the next generation of, yeah the next right. cohort of employees that come in to the, how that code base works. It's as good as right. dead code yeah and then even if they have like
1: a show-stopping bug that they have to fix they have to do a hot you know hot fix and patch it and get it in the app store to update something that's critically broken even that is going to be very difficult to get done in any sort of reasonable amount of time um, i mean yeah i guess you could if you had to you could hire a contractor and if you can't find anybody in the us that'll do it you could probably find someone overseas that maybe hasn't heard of this controversy or doesn't care or whatever to come in and do it but then you know i mean they're facing the same problems where they don't know the code base and they don't Understand what's the nuances there, so they're going to take some time and money, right, to, to for them to get sped up so they can do it. And and if it's a sh- critical bug, it's just it's just broken until until you resolve that. So it's got like problems today, problems tomorrow, problems in a month, problems in a year. Like this is not just a, a oh we screw thing. this up and in a yeah. week no one will care anymore. Like this yeah. is this is probably a this is a couple year realignment of of how their company's story will play out uh and it could be it could be severe it could be it could i mean you know stuff like this happens and then sometimes companies don't even survive yeah this right like it it could be that Basecamp won't even stick around as a company i mean who knows they depends on what their runway looks like and how profitable they are and, and how much this really will affect sales and all that but but uh companies have gone down have gone under right for less than this so so it's definitely possible that they they don't survive it and like what, what kind of book sales are they going to have about you know with their rework and all the rest of it if if they're like oh yeah from the founders of Basecamp, which isn't a company anymore you know you the really retrospective will,
0: will sell like oh yeah, what went wrong oh yeah kind of thing everyone's gonna be that's buying true. that because it's juicy that's drama true.
1: that's true everybody loves drama so yeah that's true
0: yeah um, and it, it's it's further reaching than just Basecamp. Like you alluded to this earlier, Ben, but anyone who works on a project that uses Ruby on Rails, Ruby on yeah. Rails has now been tainted by the exact same like yeah. onus that everything else has. And that is troublesome if your entire career is right. like surrounding Ruby on Rails because that's a big yeah. framework. For instance, if on I, if iOS developers, y'all know UIKit. Imagine if UIKit mm-hmm. was tainted by something like this. You mm-hmm. don't have an expertise necessarily in anything else. That's all you know is UIKit. Um, right. And you can't just go ahead and use something else. Like Everything is kind of interconnected into that mm-hmm. um, yeah. with what you've built. Um, and that goes the same for anyone that uses Ruby on Rails, which is a framework for the Ruby language, which was not invented mm-hmm. by DHH, um, but it's, it's one of the main web frameworks that allows you to build out a web application with Ruby nowadays.
1: Right. And I would, and I would argue, I don't know if this is true, but it it seems reasonable to assume that probably the most important thing that people do with Ruby is to write Ruby on Rails applications, right? So like, yes, it is a language and it can be used for other things, but it's, but it's the vast majority of the time when it is used in some programming context, it's Probably used in conjunction with Rails to make a web application. So
0: just like Swift is used for iOS right. and macOS development, yeah. yes, you can right. write server-side stuff and scripts. That's about it's it. Not though. the majority <laughs> of cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention, Ben, is you—you you said basically how he should have had the foresight uh, to kind of prevent this based on all of his experience and know-how, and it really uh-huh. reminded me of how. Uh, very often, like, rich and successful people will say, oh, all you need to do is this, this, and this, and you'll uh-huh. become just like me. Um, right. And it goes to show you how much of their success is really based on circumstantial luck. Like, they were there at, yeah. the, at the right place, at the right time, uh, with mm-hmm. the right privilege to be able to succeed in that way. Um, and unless you have all those things, which you will never be at that place in time again like it's it's gone past you won't be successful like that um now with more money like you up your chances um with regard to everything uh but even with a huge amount of money it's obvious that you can still take a nosedive for a stupid reason like all all they had to do was step back by what they said Mm -hmm. early in the week and this probably wouldn't have reached this point they pushed right. because they believed this was the right thing to do, um, from their point of view, to protect their interests, but it didn't protect anyone else's interests, and this is kind of how it ended up. Um, and right. we're all lay people, by comparison, and we can see this, the writing was on the wall when this started, um, and yeah. they were blind, blinded by that. Yeah. I think
1: I, I think, I definitely am in support of the idea that companies should be able to be run the way that the people that run them think they should be run. I think that's fine, right? We don't want to be in a scenario where, you know, we're all, we're ev- the, the government is- Clearly doing, they're doing something ci- right, right? Circumstance, yeah, right? I mean, we, we want autonomy, we want independence, we want independent thought so that cool, interesting things can be created, right? But at the same time, uh, I also am a big fan of, if you screw up, then you have to, you reap the consequences of that screw up, right? So like- for example to call back to the to the to the whole like uh two thousand and eight financial crisis, I feel like as a society we did a crappy job of that because we basically didn't nobody got in trouble, nobody raped any of those consequences in a negative way really I mean yeah, some companies went out of business but but those people i mean basically we bail everyone out we didn't we didn't really learn anything we didn't change any of the laws we didn't we just kind of like wow, that sucked, and then we just kind of like struggled for a few years as a, as a society, and then we kind of got back to normal, and then now like if you, there, you know, there's things about the economy that are the same and with a different name, and it's like you, this is going to happen again, right, and it's like it's without consequence, without without negative consequence, humans don't learn, uh, and, and I feel like if you're going to have this autonomy and this freedom and stuff, like if DHH is going to be able to just do whatever he wants, that's fine but like when you make a boneheaded decision like this then you, guess what you get to be, you get to reap the crappy consequences that come from that and that means you lose all of these probably you know decade long colleagues and friends and i mean i'm sure that these people have lost friendships over this and, and and in addition to the to the the just like human capital resources to the company itself there's also i'm sure been personal relationships that have been seriously strained or broken uh, it's it's a significant event for the principal people of of Basecamp and all of the employees that work there, potentially for life for a lifetime, right? Like it's potentially a life altering event that just occurred to yeah. many people, not just like oh I got to get a new job, but like oh this friend that I had for a decade that I work with, like we don't talk anymore because they were on the other side of this or what like whatever I'm just making things up, but like it's probably a a life altering event for some people and it's all because because we wanted to have funny sounding names in a spreadsheet like i just it doesn't make any sense i mean yeah if you think somebody's name is funny in your own head i guess that's fine but like don't write it down don't don't share it with your colleagues like that's
0: wildly inappropriate not to mention these are and your then, customers these are the people yeah, who yeah. are trusting in your in in your product and propelling you as a business i mean yeah, how right. offensive of a thought yeah like to to even think that their name is funny that means you have no care as far as who they are um with regard to what your position is like yeah. that that and is then, the, the deepest problem from one well, again you can't like control a behave, funny, right so I'm, I'm not i'm
1: not advocating that we should say that people are not allowed to think something is funny but what i am saying is like as mm-hmm. a company, it is a terrible policy to condone writing things down to sharing with other people to having like a little funny group where you all get together and laugh over people's names like that is it's one thing to chuckle quietly to yourself once because you think somebody's name is funny. Like, yeah, people have some people have funny, funny names, whatever. But like you don't you don't you don't turn it into a culture. That's what I'm saying. It's right. Like you don't like it's one thing for one individual employee. Ha ha. This person's name is funny to myself. Like. Maybe that's maybe you should think twice about doing that because you're being kind of cold and and whatever. But pe- people are many people are terrible. So like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to pretend like we're going to fix like human behavior. But what I am saying is like, don't turn it into a culture. Like and and the other thing is that company. I, this is something I, I learned uh, over working at lots of different places with different ideas about this company culture is always created if you think like the the idea i think behind this memo is like that we want to create a company culture that is sterile that is just about work that is not involving other things about people's lives yeah that is never going to happen right like that is just not how humans come together and and communicate so if you think that you can do that you can't and and if you think that you can advocate for a company culture that is either sterile or potentially like non-existent like we don't have a company culture it's just like all we do is we just get work done and that's it it's like no no a company culture is created every time at a company every single time anytime that more than two humans get together and interact regularly on a regular basis a culture is created in that group and if and you have two options as a company you can either actively cultivate A culture that is positive and inclusive and and compassionate and all of those things or you can sit back and do nothing and if the people that you that are in your you know everybody that's involved makes a sort of reasonably concerted somewhat ad hoc effort to make it halfway decent it might be halfway decent but if there are even a few people in there that are you know not the nicest people that negative sort of those negative aspects are going to definitely introduce themselves into the culture and then you're going to have a problem on your hands you're going to have a group of people in your company who are keeping a spreadsheet of funny sounding customer names that could leak out and then do terrible damage to you or your reputation and then not only did you not actively stop that but apparently you either at least condoned it or even supported it yeah that is just a terrible terrible look all the way around well on top of that it's like
2: they weren't some some people did see the writing on the wall and they formed that group of diversity and inclusion and then they shut that down so they're sort of cultivating in the opposite direction where they're
0: (laughs) yes they took away the voice of the people that want exactly
2: and so they're like sterilizing it in a way where they're losing uh All of those good thoughts and ideas of how to make the company better and honestly probably could have prevented this if they had, you know, solved this internally and said, hey, you know what, let's get rid of this. Great. Uh, Instead, they said, oh, let's not get rid of the spreadsheet. Let's get rid of the group that's trying to fix
1: this problem (laughs) for us. Right. Which is like the exact opposite way that you solve that problem. Yeah. uh, Yeah.
2: It's not like they weren't doing nothing. They were just doing something in a completely negative way.
1: To me, it seems like they didn't make a mistake. And what I'm saying, mis- they, I mean, you know, the people in charge. Yeah, I'm like the saying, owners, yeah. right? Yeah. So the owners didn't make a mistake. They made a mistake and then they compounded that mistake with additional decisions that made it clear that it wasn't a, it wasn't a mistake that they just, oh, we screwed up and we're going to fix it. <laughs> right. They made a mistake and then they doubled down on that mistake and they just kept making decisions that made it worse and worse. And so like that is a, that is a pattern of bad behavior that to me showcases that you are incapable of learning from your mistakes at least in this regard and and you are so stubborn and and arrogant that you think that you can make this problem go away by just telling everyone to not think thoughts that are unrelated to work like it's just like what
0: what and no one's going to speak up to you because you own the company yeah, yeah like, because like, yeah, you know, like right. no one is going to dare if if they if they don't want to lose their job they're not going to dare right. say anything to you because they're not your friend they're not going to privately tell you like um that's not the right thing to do um because that's that's right. how humans we correct our behavior everyone has right. had a stupid thought enter their mind and before of they had a chance to think about it it has exited their mouth it doesn't mean they're a bad person right. but yeah. everyone around that person has if they care about that person they need to say something they need to make them feel right. bad for what they just did because if right. they don't that behavior goes uncorrected and it goes accepted yes. so for yes. every opportunity that you have someone in your life that you care about if they say something that is stupid uh with in any context you should right. like tell them like eh, that wasn't the that wasn't a good joke or um right. like it's up to you for how to phrase that if they respect right. who you are, they're gonna think about what they just did and they're gonna correct right. their behavior. If they don't respect right. who you are, they're gonna lash out and they're gonna continue mm-hmm. pushing and doubling down on that behavior. And that's kind of right. exactly what happened. Yes, Guess what happened? Exactly. As soon as as soon as they said uh, like this, uh, this, is, this is the final message we're gonna say on this. There's no ifs and or buts. No discussion. This is the way it is, um, and that's that. And then everyone said, eh, "That's not maybe not the best thing. You might want to rethink this." They doubled down on that. They didn't respect right. anyone's opinion uh, with regard to that, right. whether that was inside the company or outside. Um, and this right. is this is what happened. Those yep. people realized they weren't being respected, and therefore they left. Like there's, right. it's it's simple in the end.
1: And I think at the end of the day, what's way more, I mean. So if you are in a place where you, you know, you make enough money to sort of have a place to live and you can eat. Reg- I'm talking about people who are in a position where, you know, their their needs are being met and they're they have a comfortable life in general. Right. That that really the money is important, but it's not necessarily going to be like the deal breaker. The deal breaker, I think, is going to be respect. Right. Like whether you feel like you are respected and whether you feel like your contributions are meaningful and that they are appreciated and all that at work. And and if you feel that that's not the case anymore. And I've definitely been in that position Mm -hmm. in previous jobs where it's like, I don't really feel like. Well, like I don't feel like I can grow. Right. I don't feel like I have anywhere to go in this this position, you know. And I also kind of don't feel like anybody really cares, like whether I get any of my work done or not. And, and I feel like when I do speak up and have opinions and ideas and thoughts, it's just mostly ignored and, like, and like dismissed. When, yeah. that, when that kind of feeling sets in, you're, if you have skills that are marketable, you're just like, I'm out, right? Like I'm, I'm, immediately, I'm you know, maybe gonna keep doing the, going through the motions of doing my job, but I am gonna spend most of my energy finding a new job. And as soon as I find one that's better, I'm out. Like, and so why, <laughs> why do more companies not realize that this is a truth? This is something that is the case, especially in the tech industry, where, you know, we're having a moment in history where our skills as a group of people are some of the most sought after skills on the planet. Like, why do companies not realize that if they screw this up and they treat us poorly, that we're not just gonna bounce and get a better gig? Because there's probably a better one even with base camp even like we pay San Francisco wages and you yep. live in you know Missouri or somewhere we're still going to pay you amazing like it doesn't matter i can still probably find a better gig than this especially if you're going to treat me like this right like wh- i just it just boggles my mind that that companies think i mean it's like are we are you creating like the soviet union inside of your inside <laughs> of your organization where you're like this is this is law and how dare you even talk back to me and it's like but we don't live in a totalitarian society like that. I We live in the United States in a free market economy where I can just, and I'm at will. I can literally tell you I'm quitting and in five minutes I'm out the door. Like there's there's nothing keeping me here other than this mutually agreed upon thing that says that, you know, I do work in exchange for money. Yeah. So, like, in what universe does it make sense to just push on and poke at and bully your employees? It, like, it just, it doesn't, especially in the field that we're in. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what did they think they were going to accomplish other than getting a third of their employees to quit? It seems like,
2: and, you know, I, I don't have a ton of experience in the industry and everything in different companies, but it's like uh, we were talking about this. Uh, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, uh, just between ourselves and our Slack, but it's the whole concept of, um, you know, I, I think... Good companies will, you know, ask for feedback from their employees, but ultimately, uh, I think a lot of tech companies especially are beholden to like VC money. And so they're like, Oh, yes. you know what, no matter what we as the employees <laughs> right. on kind of, you know, the the front lines do or say and say, Hey, you know what, it'd be awesome if we did this, right? Um, ultimately, I think it's it's where the money is that they're going to go to for what should we do next. So even at mm-hmm. companies that I think value employees, probably get caught up in the you know, oh hey, where's the money? Or people like DHH, I can see just having that ego and being, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I think is best because I've you know like Dimitri and and Ben said I've I've written books on this, so I know best, and right. you know that's that's one person's opinion and perspective. So uh, yeah, yeah,
0: that definitely reminds me of an Elon Musk type character. Mm. Of I'm the I'm the next supervillain. But doing good things, uh, and I can do what I want, um, and the world is my oyster, kind of thing. And, and I mean, at least
1: Elon Musk is and trying Mars. to get us onto another planet. Like all the all the DHH is doing, from what I can see, is building a <laughs> it's like, a planet, planet filled with death. Email Nothing
0: has survived there. Like I, I don't know if we yet. want to go to that that, that planet. <laughs> hey, the um, yeah, it will um, forever rover, be <laughs> the Perseverance
1: rover was able to create oxygen. That was cool. I saw they, that they they sent a, like a, a one of the little experiments on it is basically it takes I'm going to get all this wrong but it, like it takes sort of the air that's that's in the atmosphere what air there is and it was able to actually extract uh, O2 and then it produces I think carbon monoxide and something else as a byproduct um, uh, but yeah they it, and it's a tiny I mean the experiment is just an experiment so it makes a tiny amount but
0: you, you need a lot.
1: <laughs> i know it's a, it's a stepping stone it's cool and we and we flew a helicopter
0: cool. on, on another yeah that's cool so anyway we're digressing um. <laughs> one one thing this completely reminds me of in terms of boneheaded moves uh, that people keep doubling down on uh, is to to change topics a tiny bit is what's going on between Apple and Epic at the moment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The first trials were today as we record Uh, and Apple is very much doubling down on this is the only way to run an app store and a lot of dirty laundry is coming out. They would have been seen in a much better light. If last WWDC, they had done a little bit more than have the small business program Uh, and opened up a little bit of their control uh, just to diffuse a lot of what's going on because Mm -hmm. it doesn't look pretty it's not a pretty look for Apple Um, a lot of their internal emails look at developers as like of course they exist because of us uh, and that Mm -hmm. kind of haughty attitude Um, and Mm -hmm. it's not a good look um and supposedly a 72 percent profit margin on the app store yeah yeah that's a, all of that is like, necessary to run uh uh-huh. the store right uh, and that's why it's right. a profit and not not a break even kind of thing um which means they're putting a whole lot of effort into making sure it's the, the highest of quality uh, which they're not something that Jobs uh, actually said
1: initially. That, that that's what they were planning on doing, at least for a little while, was that they were basically going to break even on the App Store. Well, like when the App Store launched in two thousand eight, he said he made some comment publicly that said like we're we're you know we're probably going to roughly break even on on running it, implying and that Yeah. were kind of said... doing it. Yeah.
0: And, and yeah, and privately he basically said he doesn't want any. Uh, apps to dirty the perfect experience uh, right, that right. is running directly on device. And right. I'm not saying that people are perfect or people shouldn't be idealized for having good ideas, but hopefully these opportunities give the next generation of developers that will eventually build up their own companies some food for thought and how to behave differently um, mm-hmm. and how to yeah. be more human about everything uh because ultimately whether you're a business dealing with another business um or dealing directly with customers you're dealing with other people like they are not Mm -hmm. inferior to you they are the same as you um and for all that apple does to make things seem more equal they also do a bunch of shitty things that kind of show that they think the opposite which is very very unfortunate
2: I was just gonna say, and it's it's interesting to see how everyone is responding to this whole situation uh with Epic. It's not just Epic that said, Hey, you know, we're gonna lower it down to twelve percent, uh or in basically an eighty-eight percent cut for for the developers, but now I just saw a couple of days ago or yesterday that uh Microsoft is gonna do the exact same thing. So uh mm-hmm. you know, people are it's it's not like Epic is kind of just dying on this hill alone now. Microsoft, which is arguably the next biggest sort of app store with uh, Xbox Live and everything that they have Mm -hmm. going on, and the Microsoft Store itself, uh, they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it is time for a change. So, uh,
1: did they did Microsoft announce that for Xbox, like for Xbox games? I think yeah. So so, so they had it
0: for the Windows Store for a while because they had to compete. There's there's no there's plenty of alternate ways to get Windows apps, so they had to compete Mm -hmm. hard um on the Windows store to make it a viable uh platform as a, a marketplace. And right. incidentally they didn't have to compete for Xbox. So you saw that right. they had this huge dichotomy in terms of what they were doing in one app store versus right. the other app store. Um and it's funny we use the term app store. Apple invented the app store. There were not a thing called right. apps really. Uh, it was always software. Um and for the longest time mm-hmm. on Macs people used apps. So, I think Apple mm-hmm. does deserve to call their thing the app yeah. store. They really did sure. pioneer a lot yeah. of that. Right. Um, but, yeah. and I think they also deserve to have full control over that. But they need to seed that control in different ways. Um, and that's very important in terms of public perception, especially as it's falling apart. And I very much think Microsoft was doing that now to avoid the the yeah. the shots that are going to come at them next because oh, absolutely google is next to to, to mm-hmm. be in the spotlight mm-hmm. with regard to this yeah. and microsoft was stepping away from that and saying we are not <laughs> part of this um and we're gonna Don't do look at whatever us we we're, can we're good. to just be outside of that spotlight yeah
1: yep right yeah
2: i mean you look at all of the yeah. um the antitrust uh, court cases that have gone on in the last year or so, I think there's been one that Apple's not been a part of. And then, you know, they they didn't get caught in one of them, but they're in everything else. And then there, I think Microsoft wasn't in one of them. And so if they can at all avoid something like that, Microsoft, that is, then yeah, I get that. Trying to save face, trying to, I mean, do it before they look bad. (laughs) good for them i wish apple would do that and just i mean say case closed let's let's do it
0: i mean just like just like us people said no this is bad behavior so microsoft said okay this is probably bad behavior let's not do this (laughs) like it, it, it works for people it works for companies which in the united states are people um it goes it goes all the way around and bad behavior should be shunned it shouldn't be canceled as everyone likes to throw around with cancel culture i don't i don't think like unless it's egregious behavior uh that we necessarily need to ruin someone's life um for that but right. like it deserves it deserves when others kind of uh tell you to your face that that was not something that you should be doing and if you don't listen right. to that then you aren't really growing as a person
2: it needs to be looked at and then, it needs to be kind of
1: reconsidered yeah. or reevaluated and the boneheaded thing is that is that they have spent so much time digging their heels in Apple in particular over these ideas that eventually these problems are going to build enough steam and they're going to get just juicy enough for Congress in the United States to just get a hold of it and say, "Oh, well, now we need to now we now we need to flex our muscle and we need to stop this terrible behavior from happening." which i have i mean personally speaking i have no faith in anybody really in congress to do the right thing they're all a bunch of overpaid fairly incompetent people who like to just stick their nose where they, where it doesn't belong is at least that's my opinion but like the, all you do by waiting this long is you just eventually enough smoke builds around this that there's fire and then congress wants to stick their noses in and start to and start to to create law and regulation and and that doesn't usually work out well for the person they're pointing their litigation or their uh their regulation gun at, right? Like that you you get all this new regulation, it's not necessarily it usually unfortunately ends up helping the people that are the most entrenched, which is quite sad. But like it's if if they're focusing their ire at Apple, it's not going to be good for Apple and they don't they will no longer have control over changing the terms, right? It goes from I get to decide what sort of what I'm willing to give up, right? Like maybe I'm going to give up a little bit more of the cut. Maybe I'm going to give up, I don't know, some, you know, side loading or some other thing. But if someone else becomes in charge of what you give up, then you probably aren't going to like what they're going to tell you to give up. And especially if it's Congress, they have the force of law behind them. Like that, it's, you can't ignore it. You, you have to do it short of, you know, getting in legal trouble from them. So it just seems particularly short-sighted to say like, we're going to, you know, obviously you don't want to just respond at the very first person who complains necessarily to change your whole policy. But like, this has been a problem for a long, like people have been talking about this for a long time and the cut and the sideloading and all that stuff. I mean, I don't know which set of things is the right answer, the right compromise, but uh, it seems pretty silly for, for a company that seems to pride itself on, on critical thought and on doing the right thing and on carefully considering all their options and, and being being a, a company that moves forward with very clear purpose. I think that is true about Apple in general. It seems odd that they wouldn't take that same process and apply it to this. Like, w- eventually I, people are gonna get pissed off enough that they're gonna like go yell at their congressman and then you have Josh Hawley Run around making up things that don't make any sense by the way yeah, and yeah they have like, no but he's like no domain knowledge at all but he's they a congressman no like he has an, a ridiculous amount of power and he can make you do all kinds of yeah. stuff you don't want to do like just do like i
2: realistically can't see compromise. apple winning this like there's there's no. no way that they get away with this long term uh like you said yeah. or one of you said you know the the um I forget what the program is called, but you know the the small, small, big, oh, the small business, yeah, program. that right. Like I agree, that was totally a way to defuse it, and maybe they do it one more time. But long term, even like short term, I don't think this is going to pan out well for them.
1: Where and even if they don't lose the epic battle, right? Like even yeah. if they, it seems like they that won't, they it's just going to continue boiling.
0: That. It'll just yeah. keep happening. It's just going
1: to keep, yeah,
0: yeah. And the stronger they dig their heels, the worse their argument like looks because their argument is full of holes from the very beginning yeah like it was not based in any sort of evidence it was this is how we want to do it because it's going to make our product successful which from a business point of view is not the wrong thing but it becomes a problem when you have so much spotlight on you that other people's livelihoods depend on it and frankly it's not individual developers that are ever going to benefit from any sort of discussion no, that no, 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 no. happens um apple should have learned this when they got in trouble with uh the government uh, with ebooks and amazon came out unscathed yeah. meanwhile the apple bookstore which was a tiny tiny little business yes that was yeah. not doing anything really wrong they were right. like not doing anything underhanded. Certainly, right. they lost right. because guess right. what? Amazon had prepaid everyone to follow their uh, line of thought, right. and they right. had been prepaying everyone for years up until that point. They don't even. I know the ones anymore. that were being so it's not even naughty
1: in the ebook industry. It was Amazon. Like they were yeah. the ones that were breaking and all they the rules knew it. Being... And they
0: pre they pre set up their plan to succeed. Yeah. So what happens when you have people that don't know your domain very well make decisions on your behalf? They follow whoever tells them how the domain should be run, which happens to be whoever had paid them the most up until that point to listen. (laughs) Um, So uh, it's not that they're taking a bribe. It's that they are taking uh, some time to listen to a party in particular, and they are going to trust that party way more than any other party because right. they spent the most to get that time that's that's all that is. So for apple's sake let's to.
1: hope that their lobbying money has gone to good use
0: <laughs> and they, it like, probably hasn't hope, I, yeah. I doubt they probably learned not, yeah. from any of that again they're probably yeah. going to win the epic case because epic has a pretty loose case and it is not yeah. in favor of any sort of third-party developer it's purely epic no. who wanted to make more money uh and they yes. wanted to do so as selfishly as possible yeah yes again but the writing is the, uh, you're running more a business on the wall that's what you need to do yeah 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 like apple is the crosshair is on them at this point they've already lost the european antitrust case mm-hmm. which the fees are like 27 billion dollars not a small amount of money um again is that enough to kind of tell apple that they should do something in one way or another a lot no, of that money not. is kind of shored away in, in Ireland yeah. that they'll never have access to. They'll probably just decide, okay, we lost that money. Yeah, uh, we can't right. we can't get access to it. But right. it's it's not the best punishment, and therefore they're going to come up with a better punishment. That last yeah. we checked, what GDPR caused is nasty pop ups that happen on every single website. Like right. that was that was yeah. the fix uh, for privacy uh, is right. to make everything worse so yeah. yes and that was fairly well thought out in terms of like yeah. how to adequately protect people but it made things right. worse they didn't think of that part and that's yeah. going to happen right. every single time so yeah yeah
1: well i mean humans are really good at like finding ways around yeah the rules.
2: it's like how
1: is yeah. apple gonna
2: skirt this next that's that's the next question yeah, yeah.
0: and and that reminds me of something someone said Every time something bad happens, you can make a policy to prevent that bad thing, and all you end up with is a long list of policies at the very end of that, rather than like find like trying to identify what caused that yeah. wrong thing, I like fix it, but don't necessarily put a policy that prevents just that in the future, because all you end up with right. is a long long list of weird rules that twist around each other aka laws um yeah. and those laws when there's just a handful of them very easy to understand when there's two thousand of right. them then you need a specialist to understand it and guess who suffers those who can't afford the specialist so right that is going to happen in every circumstance whether it's in a business whether it's in a country a government um, yeah whatever yeah. it is yeah and it's unfortunate that happens that way but that's again like like we've been saying it's human nature um and the easiest way is to to denounce such behavior as much as we can so that's that's on all of us anytime we see something that we don't agree with you need to stand up for it whether you're standing up for someone else who can't or you are standing up because you have the ability to it's important that you do so because if you don't that behavior is just going to continue so this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Mistico, an iMessage app for your iPhone that makes it easy to send your friends and family passwords, notes, documents, and other confidential information that you just don't want sticking around longer than it needs to. Are your parents asking for your Apple TV password yet again to log into iTunes on their Apple TV? Send them a Mistico secure message. Mistico secure messages are encrypted using AES-256 before being sent, and only the recipient will receive the key to decrypt them securely through iMessage. The catch? Once they decrypt the message, they won't be able to see it again once it's closed, making sure that what you sent them can't be seen a second time. Mistico is available for both paper use and as an auto-renewing subscription, so you only need to pay for what you use depending on how you use it, and comes with 10 free messages so you can give it a try. We want to thank Mistico for sponsoring our show. Search for Mistico, that's M-Y-S-T-I-K-O, on the iMessage App Store today to give it a try. So with all that out of the way, it's time for Compiler Error, a segment where I get to test my fellow completionist knowledge on Swift, Apple, and all things development. Uh, and today's uh, Compiler Error is actually inspired by the recent uh, Ask Me Anything uh, that uh, Underdog Devs did with Chris Lattner. Um, so that recording should uh, come out soon, and I encourage all of you to listen to it because it was a great talk. Um, all three of us were kind of lurking and asking questions, Uh, as well so it's yet another chance for you to see all of us uh, if that is your thing Um, (laughs) but with all that said let me remember to record Uh... but with all that said (laughs) Ah, nice. nice Uh, We have uh, four statements today, all about esoteric programming languages, Um, since he was the creator of Swift, and that is a programming language. It's totally related. Uh, So statement (laughs) number one, uh, Chef is a language designed to make a program look like a cooking recipe, with a stated goal that program recipes should not only generate valid output, but be easy to prepare and delicious. Statement number two. LOL code brings coders back to the early days of memes with keywords such as hi, can has stdo, and k thanks by, all phrases that may have come up as a caption for a lolcat image. Statement number three, INTERCAL, short for compiler language with no pronounceable acronym, is an older parody language that satirizes aspects of the various programming languages of the time. And statement number four Inspired by a similar-sounding language, BrainFudge is a language that makes use of only eight characters, uh, the various uh, characters at the top row of your keyboard, but otherwise uses the same syntax as its inspiration, brainfuck. Um Not pronounced that way, but we are not an explicit podcast, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Spencer, as our resident language expert... Oh. That wants to stay in Swiftland as much as possible. <laughs> I remember you saying that not too long ago. Why don't you go first?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'll start with the most likely. I think LOL code definitely seems like something that someone made in like the early 2000s. Um, I have no idea. The chef also seems pretty likely. I can see someone doing something like that. So I think it's down to three or four for me. Um, something tells me that number four is probably, uh, at least the original language is probably real. I don't know about brain fudge, but I, I think I'll go with number, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll go with number three. I've got no rhyme or reason for this one, but we'll, we'll go with number three.
0: An excellent choice. I hope so. And Ben?
1: So I first want to say that these all sound fake, um, so I have no frame of reference to know if any
0: of these are <laughs> real. They are, are very real. useful. I'll give you that.
1: Oh, yeah. But the but but the really sort of mind-blowing thing is that three of them are real because that's how this game works, right, is that three of these things are, are true and one of them is false. So that is actually the most, I think, <laughs> interesting part of this particular round of compiler error is that three of these things are actually real. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to follow Spencer in that I do think that Loco just sounds silly enough to be real. Uh, Chef also sounds ridiculous, but just this side of ridiculous enough to like, that someone, some kooky person would have thought that up and made it. So I'm just going to take those as being, you know, enough of a meme language that like it exists. Uh, so then we're down to intercal, which I think is funny that you don't actually pronounce it as an acronym, even though it is pronounceable as an acronym, because that's what it says in its description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it
0: stands for compiler language with no pronounceable acronym. That's what it right, stands for. Right. Yeah, of course. Right.
1: Of course it does. <laughs> so uh that and that it's an older parody language and it satirizes the aspects of the various languages that existed at the time. Again, that all sounds super Plausible, unlikely that anyone would bother with any of this, but like super plausible. Um, uh, and the last one the whole brain fudge thing. Like, I've seen languages that are made up of a very tiny number of like usable characters, you know, in many ways just to be funny or whatever. And like, it's certainly possible that you could create a language like that. Um, again, not very useful, but possible. So unfortunately, they all sound like they could be real. I am going to say that brain fudge is the compiler error, and I'm making that decision because I feel like I go with three or four, and I'm just like making sure that we have a spread of options. All like right. <laughs> because you pick three, I'm picking four, but there's like you said, really no rhyme or reason to it.
0: An excellent choice as well. Uh, so let's go through them, starting with uh, the ones that you agree on, which is uh, number one and two. Uh, so Chef is a language designed to make a program uh, look like a ca- cooking recipe. Um, and now, if such a hello world were written in this uh, language, what do you think the recipe would make? Um,
1: maybe cookies because the world is round? I don't know. <laughs>
0: That would have been a good one. Um, one of the one of the examples uh, there is uh, the "Hello World" soufflé, uh, which uses like okay. 160 eggs. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't actually print "Hello World." Um, but that is one such example. And this is a real real language. It starts off with uh, a description that what the what the program should do. There is a list of ingredients, uh, and then there's a list of things that you need to do to kind of build up your uh, recipe. Most of these do not build actual usable recipes, as you can surmise by needing 161 yeah. eggs for anything. Um, but uh, they always look like a recipe in the end, and hopefully uh, they end up being uh, something easy to prepare and delicious, uh, as is the one of the stated goals for uh, the project. So this one is completely real, so good job, uh, not picking that one. Let's going on. Let's go on to number two. Uh, so, lolcode um, is also a real esoteric language, um, and uh, a hello world would look something like "Hi, uh, Ken has std input output, uh, and then uh, I think it's validate hello world, and then K okay, thanks bye to end the program. Uh, so, imagine putting your favorite little cat memes. On each statement, and you have a programming language, um, as was invented by uh, a bunch of people who wanted to have fun. Well, that means that one of us is right. (laughs) One of you is right, yep. Um, So, Spencer, you thought number three is the compiler error, um, and this is for Intercal, which is short for Compiler Language with No Pronounceable Acronym, um, which I am honestly not sure uh why intercal would stand for something like that uh because this is an actual programming language that someone uh thought would be been a good idea mostly to make fun of all the other uh programming languages with weird acronyms that uh <laughs> ultimately didn't necessarily uh mean anything uh so uh, that's that's what they came up with uh, and that one is 100% real uh Dang. which means I'm sorry Spencer but excellent job Ben for um detecting that number four uh, is the compiler error so uh, brainfook as i'm now gonna like to say it is a real programming language it is composed of eight characters most of them are brackets pluses and minuses uh, which makes the language look uh, very difficult to look at um, because (laughs) it's just those characters Um, any other characters are basically interpreted as comments uh, so you can comment your code which is a good thing um, but the rest you're of it gonna is need just, to. yeah, you're definitely going to need to, uh, the rest of it is just, um, garble. Uh, and the, the best thing I saw on the Wikipedia page is, uh, this language is referred to as, uh, a Turing tar pit. Uh, it can be used to write any program, but is not practical to do so. Um, so that was <laughs> a fun uh, terminology that I learned in all of this. That's good. Um, and that inspired... Uh, because none of those characters, if you've ever read old comics, none of those characters are ever used when someone is, like, screaming expletives uh, mm. in little thought bubbles. They're, they always use the other uh, uh, punctuation characters. So I was inspired to invent Brain Fudge, which someone actually mm. at least started uh, as a programming language. There's no implementation on GitHub, but there is a few, there are a few repos of someone, like, wanting to coin that. Um, But I added my own twist by actually using all those uh, symbols that would otherwise show up in those uh, thought bubbles as uh, the tokens for the language that would otherwise use the same syntax. Uh, So good job, Ben, uh, for detecting that. I'm sorry, Spencer, you got thwarted by compiler language with no pronounceable acronym, a.k.a. (laughs) Entrakel. See, that is the kind of nerd joke that is just
1: just perfect enough to be real like it's
0: yeah (laughs) like
1: (laughs) that's that's nerd humor right there and it's 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 not funny but it is it
0: is accurate so uh as always i want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week be sure to follow us on twitter at code completion to know when new episodes get released uh and feel free to tweet at us if there's a topic you'd like us to dig into uh more importantly as a small podcast be sure to rate us on itunes Uh, Slash Apple Podcasts, uh, so that way more people can find us. uh, And give it a star in Overcast, if you use Overcast. Uh, And Ben, what was that other podcast player that we did not know existed? Like Podnods or something like that?
2: Yeah, Podnods.
0: So if you're listening on Podnods, please let us know um, (laughs) what uh, type of podcast player it is, because we have never heard of it. Um, But it's cool that you are listening, and we encourage you to Uh, listen to our future episodes as well Uh, so once again i want to give my thanks to uh, ben who is at fair sky that's f-e-r-r-o-u-s-g-u-y on twitter and spencer who is at spencer c curtis that's s-p-e-n-c-e-r-c-c-u-r-t-i-s on twitter for joining me this week my name once again is dimitri you can find me at dimitri that's d-i-m-i-t-r-i-b-o-u-n-i-o-l and we'll see you all next week bye bye